You guys want to hear a crazy story? Or we just roll you? I just say that. I figured we, start we're going to have something good to hear. Okay. Um, I was traveling last week from Crested Butte back to Texas. And so when you do that, you drive from Crested Butte to Montrose, take a Southwest flight from Montrose to Denver, and then lay over in Denver and then fly to Dallas. Mm-hmm. So I, I like the Denver airport because it's big and it's got trains. You can walk around. I'd like a three hour layover. So get to see the Illuminati. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Buried in Cheyenne mountain. Um, so anyhow, <laughs> I just, I tend to just walk around a lot and, and I'm walking and I'm walking and I've been walking about two hours and out of nowhere, something says to me, it goes sit in that seat over there. And there's this empty bank of five seats right there. So I go and I sit down in the seat. And uh, I put all my stuff down next to me. Now, bear in mind, I've been walking for two hours, planning on walking for another hour, not tired at all. But I look up and the guy across from me is he's slumped over. And I don't mean slumped over like he's asleep. I mean, slumped over like he's been shot in the back of the head and someone left his corpse there like his. And so my first instinct is I take a picture of the guy and uh, he sent us the picture. Yeah. (laughs) I sent it to you guys. Yeah. Some hard ass remark about about weed in Colorado and here's what you get. And yep. right after I send it, then I'm like, uh, huh, you know, maybe this guy's not doing so good. So I go over to him and, uh, you know, it's like phones on the floor, his hats on the floor. I'm like, excuse me. Hey, excuse me, sir. Hey, hello. Hello. Yeah. Hey buddy, buddy. Hello. And I'm shaking him and I'm clapping my arms and smacking my hands. Like, Hey, wake up, wake up. And I'm in the middle of DIA. And it's Sunday and it's busy in there. And uh, anyhow, this guy's completely non-responsive. I, I turn around to the counter behind me like, hey, somebody call 911, get a paramedic here, ASAP. This guy's got serious trouble. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this other guy comes up who's an EMT. And you're like an EMT shows up on the scene and they just completely take over. He's like, all right, everybody back up. He goes, I, I think it's diabetes related. I bet I can get him to back to consciousness so uh, anyhow he's he's checking his pulse he's like he's got a pulse and puts both his hands on the guy's neck and gets his head upright and then he's like hello hey buddy wake up and sure enough the guy's eyes open up and uh anyhow it was super intense and maybe the most intense part of the whole thing was after that like about 10 minutes later and of course the paramedics show up and all that and they're working on the guy and trying to help him out well, the guy who was sitting like two seats down from him, he comes up to me and he's got tears in his eyes. He's like, I, I, I I've been sitting next to this guy for 45 minutes and I knew he was Jeez. slumped over like that. And it never once occurred to me to go check on him. He just like he said, thank you for doing that. I, I, I never would have forgiven myself if something was wrong with that guy. And so, anyhow, it was like, like just raw emotion. You almost feel like crying, but anyhow. The end of the story, just picked up my crap and kept walking around DIA and finally Jeez. made it home. But sometimes God talks to you and you can hear it and mm-hmm. it's unmistakable. 
you know, and the, and the cool thing about that story, I was just talking with, with somebody about this, like God didn't, you know, you didn't do anything out of the ordinary there. It was just, you'll never know that guy. You'll never get to see him again. That kind of thing. Like God used you to maybe save his life, maybe not, but it wasn't about you there. It was about God intervening and getting somebody to help him, which is the great, great part of that story. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, the voice in my head didn't go, Hey, look to your left. There's somebody in distress. <laughs> it was like, Hey, just sit in that seat. And that was yeah. literally, it was, it was like being pulled into that chair, man. It's the craziest thing. So. And it's funny because it's like, you know, we talk a lot about <clears throat> personal responsibility and Eric likes to say virtue, people having virtue and that's what that is. It's like, you saw something and you did something like to make sure that he was okay. Whereas the guy next to him for 45 minutes yeah. didn't do anything. And I'm not ragging on that guy. Cause that guy is most of us. Like yep. you were the exception and yep. that's awesome. Well, and I feel like the guy next to him, I feel like next time something like that happens, he's going to, he's probably going to engage. He was clearly exactly. very concerned about that other yeah. man. And also the fact that he didn't do anything. Yeah, so, yeah. totally. After that, he probably went through the airport and just shook everybody awake. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up grandma. Hey man, you okay? <laughs> so Cameron you got somewhere you can walk home from dinner yeah so um I have this like the greatest landlord I've ever worked with for like six years in a row she calls me up and says hey you want renaissance festival tickets and I'm like sure says how many do you want they're 30 bucks a pop and I'm like uh I don't know 10 and we have this uh family that we've uh, become good friends with that live two doors down. Our kids play all the time. We're like, Hey, do you want to go? And, um, so we went all day and they're like, yeah, let's get a quick bite to eat at the bar, you know, a quarter mile down the street. And, um, you know, we were midway through dinner and six o'clock was coming. And I told you six 30, you know, I had to push you back to six 30. And I told them, I said, look guys, I like you a lot, but I like these guys better. So I got to go. Here we go. Well, you should have told her because I knew her. I know who it is. She'd be like, I got to go meet Jake because. Oh, yeah, mess- exactly. She messaged me a couple of weeks ago. She said, hey, hey, do you want the Renaissance Festival tickets? I'm like, if I still lived in Arizona, I absolutely would. But unfortunately, no. So Raleigh did. She reached out to you. Yeah, she did. Cameron, That's so cool. You yeah, went there I know today? You awesome. dealt with her in the past. Super nice lady. You went She's to the festival the today? Yeah. yeah. Did you see Niblick and Mashy? I don't know what that means. Our former student, Skyler, Skyler. and his dad. Oh, um, town criers from my bum. It's hard to tell because I thought I saw Skyler, but everybody had a mask. All the carnies and all the workers had a mask on. So 80% sure. So the last last time I went there was, I guess it was two Renaissance fairs ago, two years ago. And they were there at the, they were at the top of the gate that you enter, um, as then they were harassing all the people as they were entering. And I'm like, and I saw them and they called me out yeah. and I was like, and they're like, uh, I don't even remember what they were saying, but they could, you know, like, Oh, what are you here for? And I'm like, Oh, just here with the family. Oh, no romance this time. I'm like, no, not this time. And uh, anyway, they're talking back and forth to me and all the other uh, patrons are like what these guys seem way too familiar with each other. Like, <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, you guys have a good one. And I'm like, yeah, you too. Good to see you. See you around. And I'm like, all right. And then some old lady's like, who, 
who, who is that? Like, that was one of my students. I was his teacher back in the day. And she's like, ah, another success story. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> it went on to the Ren Fair. He has made it, folks. Changing lives one kid at a time. <laughs> so, yeah. And and he he owns it. You know, he's a theater nerd and all that. Everything I You ever know, all those students who became doctors and lawyers and, you know, very successful and wealthy, those are not the success stories. <laughs> it's the kids who ended up as carnies. success stories the town criers with their dad at the at the ren fair but that's a Um, cool thing you know to do with your kid as a dad to say you know awesome just nerd out with your kid and get paid to do it that's awesome yeah hey i got a story real quick um my my daughter so uh first part of the story is that we have her signed up for taekwondo for about the past month we've got her enlisted in the martial arts. So she's going to be a deadly weapon soon. Um, (laughs) But uh, so it's every Wednesday and it's every Friday is her class. And so we'll take her, I'll take her on Wednesday. And then on Friday we go together because there's a comic book store literally next door um, that I'll go to on Friday. Oh yeah, five Taekwondo places you could have gone to. No, like that. Yeah, no, I'm spending spending (laughs) way more, spending way more at the comic book store than we are the monthly. Langston, Dad, you'll be back in two hours. Okay, (laughs) don't leave. (laughs) (laughs) So on the on the way back a week or so ago, um, we're just me and my wife are talking in the in the car on the way back, and my daughter Langston and my son are in the in the second row, and me and my wife are talking. I don't even know what we were talking about. And my daughter all of a sudden, like unprompted, goes, I don't have a crush on anyone. <laughs> Which immediately makes me think, I bet my daughter has a crush on somebody. I look at my yeah. wife, and I'm like, huh, well, that's interesting. Who don't you have a crush on? Amarion. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. It's like, should I, why would you bring this up? She goes, well, because people were saying I did have a crush on him at class and I don't have a crush on him. I'm like, well, that's cool. I, I, and she's been friends with Amarion since the beginning of the year. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, great. That's good to know. He's a good kid. And then about the next, the, a week later, the next week, she goes, so he does have a crush on me. I'm like, okay. But I thought you said you didn't have a crush on him. So why does it matter? And like, and then it's just unfolding every couple of days. I get more of the story and she did have a little bit of a crush on him and he had a crush on her, but I think it's already over. I mean, it was, it was a fiery romance of all of nine days and, and now it's gone, which is second grade love. If it ever, if there ever was one, you know what you're going to do when she turns 12 and she likes a boy and she makes a mistake of telling you, you're going to, you know, seek out that kid on parent night and say, you know, elbow her and, oh, that's Omarion. That's Omarion. You're going to go talk to him. You know, when you guys, when's your next date, you're going to wear her out for that. And it is going to be fantastic. Oh yeah. You know what? Uh, You guys have some awesome years coming up. One of my favorite (laughs) stories is like, like the girls that have a boy over and they're on the couch in the living room, watching a movie. Mom and I are going to bed. There's no shenanigans out there, but at a certain point, you know, it's time to go home. And this one time uh, Bailey and this other boy from the neighborhood, they were on the couch and they were probably snuggling or whatever. And 
And yeah, I come out from my bedroom and all I'm wearing is a white heater <laughs> and some, some tidy whiteies. Yes. And like, oh, hey, it's time for you to go. He's like, whoop, got him <laughs> out the porch. He was out of that house less than one minute later. He was that gone to the lights. So Fantastic. and Bailey's just like this, just like <laughs> just horrified. You know, former senator American hero John McCain did the exact same thing to his daughter. Really? Yeah, so his daughter went to Valley Lutheran, um, and so I know Eric went to Valley my Lutheran, alma mater. fellow alum, and uh, and his daughter, I think it was we had some trip. Our school was doing something there, and and so we, we'd met his daughter, and she told this story about how she had some friends over, and it was just girlfriends over, but they were having like a sleepover at her house, <laughs> and they were getting really loud and like you know just being stupid girls having fun and. John McCain walks down the steps in his underwear and tank top. Because, <laughs> hey, hey, can you guys quiet down? I got to get back to sleep. Yeah, no problem, Senator. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's a, it was unbelievable. And then, like, obviously, and, he, and he, apparently he was totally nice about it, but he's like, I got to get back to bed and it's 2 a.m. And, uh, and they said, no problem, Senator. And they quieted down and the rest of the night Senators. was fine. But, if yeah. you call your girl, if you call your buddy's dad senator, that's that's already yeah. weird. But yeah, then he shows up in his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> we so will I, be quiet. I'll jump in on the story train here. I mean, this is going to be a short episode in and of itself before we get started. Um, it's basketball season. Mm. I mean, it is Monday practice, Tuesday. I'm refing three games. Wednesday I get off. Thursday are games. Friday's practice or games, tournaments. <clears throat> and I don't, Jeff, you've refereed. Football, Cameron, I know you've refereed a couple of games of basketball, but I've been doing this a few years now, mostly fifth and sixth grade level games. But this year we are in a massive referee shortage. And I find myself in these games because uh, my coach, my, my assistant and I, we drive out across town to go referee games at another site on Tuesdays. And we have fifth and sixth grade games, boys, girls, and then maybe a junior high game. But we're refereeing the game. We're we're, we've, we've studied, we've watched plenty of videos. We've, we've practiced this stuff. I find myself, and I don't know if Cameron, you'd find yourself in this position or Jeff, if you ever do, but basketball, <clears throat> the crowd's right there. Right. And so you're going down the court and somebody travels and you hear chirping from the crowd or the, the coach travel, travel. And I find myself, if I'm not quick enough on the whistle to call what I want to call, and I hear somebody else call for that, I just swallow the whistle. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving look, you that. Exactly. I'm not going to appear as if I'm listening to you. And earlier this week, I had a kid, I was, uh, you know, when you're, when you're paired up as referees, uh, <clears throat> my buddy, Aaron, he was heading down court and I was bringing up the rear and I'm down the right side. And I see a kid just blatantly carry the ball. So I go to blow the whistle and I start to blow the whistle. And I hear from the crowd, carry. And I was just like, oh, and I blew the whistle. I'm like, I really wish I hadn't because such a, a bad carry, but I really didn't want to get, give that person just any satisfaction. Um, but it's just wild. I mean, we're in, the, and I have people talking on the side. I'm like, listen, we don't have enough referees as it is. Shirts are 25 bucks. A whistle's less than a dollar. Come join us. 
your libertarian sensibilities and your love of order were in direct conflict there. That's really what happened. <laughs> Very much so. I want you to follow the rules, but I don't want you to tell me to make them follow the rules. And <laughs> here's and my Michael. question is in the fourth quarter, if that goes down, are you going to swallow your whistle on a on a block charge call? Or are you going to let them play? Or are you going to call it the way? There's no win you know, there. It's tricky because if you know the, because I'm sure for football referees, there's certain areas you're looking at for different positions, right, Jeff? That's right. And so for basketball, it's, if you have two referees, you have an L shape. So if you're up at the top, you're, you're everything north of the, the free throw line and then down your side of the key. And the other referee has everything in the key and on his side of the key, right? So you're both looking at different areas and sometimes it's just like, well, uh, that was his call. I missed it. I was looking at something else, right? Like <clears throat> you can't see everything. You've got 10 people all making violations and no, and it makes um, a great excuse too. I mean, yeah, you it's know, like, that's like, his like, call. There's holding on the other side of the line. Like, Hey, that's not my call coach. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's on the other and, side of the field. And how many times I've wanted to turn to people in the stands and say, yeah, you're allowed to reach. You're just not allowed to make contact. Like he can do that all he wants. He didn't touch the guy. Reach, reach, reach. Like that's not a call. Over the back also is not a penalty or a foul unless you make contact. And then it's not over the back. It's a push. So, you know, people are like over the back. I'm like, yeah, well, that kid is actually six, five and yours is four foot nothing. So he's always going to be over his back. He doesn't have to make contact. Right. So it's just, uh, the amount I want to explain to people is a lot. The amount I want to deal with them is zero. Yeah. So you, you, that, that is an enormous mistake. That's like trying to keep the tide back with three sandbags. <laughs> yeah. Once you start trying to educate yeah. people in the stands, forget about it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's busy right now, but I'm having a ton of fun. So, so this, uh, this, this officiating crisis, I'm assuming this uh, goes to all sports. Cause I know that's the case here in Texas. <clears throat> so out here in California, CIF, Thanks they don't have enough Biden. <laughs> Supply chain issues, right? That's what it is. The chip. Yeah, they're they're all on the dock in Long Beach. Let's go, Brandon. Um, <laughs> it's it's, just so there's not enough referees, refs. but um, but we also know like we're getting like a half a dozen to a dozen basketball games being canceled every week in our county, which means well, if you had referees assigned to them, there should be referees available. So we're legitimately working with five referees, myself, one of them, uh, for our to run our entire league. So it is we are stretched very thin, but, you know, that's how it goes. Yeah, it's how it goes until it gets worse. And then it becomes a, a, a real problem because you you can't have games without officials. You really can't. Yeah. yeah and, and it's frustrating. You have a lot of young referees who cannot take the heat that they get from coaches and parents on and, and basketball is you know, pretty, you're right know. there with the people. I think you, as far as the level of basketball that you ref and coach is, it should be relatively low stakes, you know, well, you, you know the, to the parents, the younger these kids are <laughs> in football, the worse the parents are. No, I know. But like, I also remember coaching soccer when we were at, you know, at Gethsemane. I remember refereeing soccer. Yeah, no, I remember you refereeing soccer and you were the most professional ref we'd ever had. A lot of times it was just a high school sophomore yeah. who happened to be hanging out by the field when we were showing up to play our game. Hey, you want to ref? Yeah, sure, man. Okay, we got a game. Let's go. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I get it. 
you know, you take your sport seriously and, and I totally understand that, but like also a little perspective helps when it's like, this isn't professional. This isn't even college or high school. It's middle school basketball, but, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also yeah, if you but, want better results, then maybe you need to step up. <laughs> the yeah. most thankless job anywhere on the field is a ref. Cause you know, as a coach, even if you're not a glory hound, you know, parents will come up to you after the game. Hey, thanks coach. Great game. You know, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll get that at a minimum. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you're a ref, nobody has delusions of grandeur of, Oh, you know, I'm going to change <laughs> this team or change this league around, or, you know, yeah, care enough that, that I can referee this, this league the right way. It's just, it's, all negative, all criticism, all the time. And the best case scenario is people don't notice you. When I did my referee training for uh, <clears throat> soccer with the United States Soccer Federation, I drove two hours to go to the, the day-long camp. And at the very end, he handed us our coins, you know, coins you're supposed to use at the beginning of the game. And he said, you are now on the largest team in soccer in the world. And it's also the one that has zero fans. <laughs> like, well, that's an interesting take. Um, he's like, because you're you if you if you go up, you go from grade eight to grade seven, grade six, wherever you go to, even up to grade one, where you can referee soccer uh FIFA games. Sure. Um, nobody's cheering for you. Um, but you're there to serve the game. And it's you know, that's you know, you have to take it that way. As a coach, you t- you're serving the game as referees, you're serving it with no with nothing to show for it. Um, coaches, at least you can say, yeah, I've got some wins and people appreciate you, but anyways, it's, uh, yeah, it's what it is. Yeah. But you, sometimes you get $25. Oh yeah. And hey, <clears throat> that's worth cha-ching. So, so if you so can get the game to a running for... clock, if you get the game hey, to for... a running clock, it's, it's more per hour. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So, so Eric, well, you get paid for for refing a uh uh I don't know a middle school game. So regardless of the age level for whether it's fifth or eighth, um, our league pays thirty a game. Um, CIF in the area will pay like JV is like fifty four a game. JV uh, varsity is like seventy one a game. Um, but I mean, yeah. And, and they've talked about in our league, increasing the pay. Um, I'm not really doing it for the money. I'm not really doing it because I want to referee. I'm doing it because it's kind of needed and it also helps me keep in touch with the game too. So. Yeah. I think the best thing they can do is get the fans to calm down. I don't mind the coaches so much because it's literally their job, but yeah, they get the fans to calm down. <clears throat> it's not about the money. It's not going to, I mean, bumping your pay from 120 to 150 or whatever, it's not going to move the needle, but yeah. get everybody to just take chill. a breath. Yeah, breathe. Yeah. 